Look, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Again, we're going to back up and give you the context here as I read through. Notice again, we begin our reading in verse... Actually, I want to start today in verse 11 of chapter 5. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, and see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Father, I pray today that you would embolden and empower me with the Holy Spirit of God to be faithful, to proclaim that which you've impressed upon my heart, to share the truth of your word, and Lord, that it would go forth unhindered, and Lord, that our hearts, our ears would be open to hear, receive, and heed. Now Lord, uh, this is a, a, a little tougher, uh, a little more difficult today. Not that any day in, in standing here and delivering your truth is an easy task, but Lord, I'm grateful that I'm able by the Spirit of God. And I pray that today the Spirit of God would move mightily in our midst, that your truth may be known, and that we may respond according, according to, Lord, the way you would have us to respond in obedience. I will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my outline today is a borrowed outline. Uh, it's from my uh, extra uh, study tool that I got recently from Biblios, uh, Biblia.com. Um, I was in Ollie's, great shopping store for Christian books discounted, and I got my David Jeremiah Life's Work uh, CD, and so I plugged that thing in, and man, it's just a gold mine of resources. And as I'm studying and preparing for the message today, I thought, this, this is it. I mean, this is the outline. This is, I'm not going to improve on this. This is from the Word of God, and, and this is uh, exactly where I feel we are with my finger on the pulse of this church body. And so, I know that, but all truth is God's truth. And today I want to deliver God's truth to us in regards to verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. In my 15 years of ministry, 
in my walk with Christ, we all know that there are times in our own personal lives where we quench the Spirit of God. We're going to look at this morning other sins that are committed against the Spirit of God. And yet, I feel the message this morning very providential in its timing, because as your pastor, I'm concerned. Now, if you're visiting here this morning, you're a visitor, please don't misunderstand my words. This is a message for all believers, and even there's a message here for non-believers. But today, a lot of my message is geared directly towards Community Baptist Church. Just as Paul wrote to the believers at Thessalonica, and there was a specific audience that he was addressing, it's a message, though, that applies to all of us. And as your pastor, there's concern. Concern as one who's been entrusted to watch out for your souls, one who will give an account, I'm concerned. Because I believe in a lot of our lives, individually speaking, and it's manifested in collectiveness by the corporate gathering, that many of us are guilty of quenching the Spirit of God. And so I pray that this morning you will be open to what the Spirit of God has to say through the Word of God. By the way, if you are visiting this morning, let me take time to boast on this church before uh, we move into other territory. This is a great church family. And I love this church family dearly. And it's why that uh, I love this church family, that I have to give the whole counsel of God. Not to sugarcoat or gloss over certain areas. Um, There is no perfect church. You heard the saying, if you find a perfect church, join it and you'll mess it up. Because we're human. We're people. We all have flaws. And listen, uh, you have to look no further than my jokes to see I've got some serious flaws. All right. (laughs) We all are works in progress. But we all need encouragement, and sometimes we need rebuke and correction and admonition. So let's take a look this morning. The enemies of enthusiasm. The enemies of enthusiasm. God wants us to be excited about the things in life that really matter. He wants you to be excited about your relationship with Him. He wants you to be excited about your relationships with other believers. He wants you to be excited about those things which build the inner man and character and spirituality. Things like Bible study. God wants me to be excited about Bible study? That's foreign to some of you. Bible study? Woo! We're going to Bible study! Yes! We're waiting all week for this! Don't get that reaction a whole lot, do we? I could probably name a few other things that would bring about that response. 
Devotional time. You excited about your devotional time? What about worship? Service and ministry. Many believers not very excited about these things. I mean, just be honest. Not, not a lot of excitement when it comes to these things. Not a lot of enthusiasm. But you run through the list in your own heart and mind, whether it's uh, sports activities, camping trips, hours on the Internet, um, you know, going to the movies. Uh, you know, you, you fill in the blank. A lot of those things we get very excited about. But to the average believer, when it comes to the aforementioned Bible studies, devotionals, gathering together with other believers, my relationship with my Lord and Savior, it's lacking. Why is that? Why is it? Why is it we're not excited about the things of God? Well, God gives us a viewpoint. He gives us a a, a glimpse into how oftentimes churches as a whole lose the enthusiasm, if you will, for the things of God, for the people of God. And you can look in your Bible if you want. There's no need to turn there. I'm just going to quote this one verse. But Revelation 2.4 gives us a, a bit of an insight. I'm quoting this passage from the ESV. It says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have abandoned the love which you had at first. You know... If we're not careful, our hearts are hardened by sin. Our hearts are hardened by apathy. And when that happens, we will always be more excited about the entertainments of the world than the character-building requirements of the faith. We, We become dull in our senses spiritually. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember what that was like for those of you when, when you came to that saving faith and, and, and you put your faith and trust in Christ? Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember the zeal? And for some of you, if you were younger in age, it may not be as quite as, as memorable. Some of you who are later in your years and you came to know Christ, you remember. You remember your passion for going to church. When I got saved, I'm telling you, I could not go to a church service enough in a week. Now, now, I don't recommend this by any means. I'm thankful that God <laughs> got me straight eventually. Some of you say, oh, you're still not straightened out. Pray for me then. But I remember when I first got saved, no joke, Sunday mornings, I was in a Baptist church. Sunday afternoon, after I ate lunch, I was in a Pentecostal church. Sunday night, I was back in the Baptist church. Tuesday night, I was at a Quaker friends meeting. Wednesday night, I was in a Baptist church. Thursday during the day, 
I, I was the only Caucasian in the uh, Bible study on Thursday, and it was lively. The first free evangelical something or another, you know, because it wrapped the whole title wrapped around the bus van. But man, I loved going out Thursdays lunch break. That's where I was for an hour. Friday nights, I didn't care what who it was. There was a revival service. If there was uh, something going on at the convention center that was Christ focused, if it said church, Bible, whatever, I was there. Saturday, same thing. Visitation outreach, I was there. Sunday school, I was there. Man, I just could not get enough. This was new. This was all new to me. The old man, you know, I knew I had to immerse myself into the new man and the things of God, and it was just this unquenchable appetite for the things of God. Now, obviously I began to learn very quickly there was a lot of confusion by going to all those places at once during the week. But as I begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness and begin to study the Bible, the Word of God, and get into the Word of God and let the, God, the Word of God get into me, then my doctrine, my theology began to get straightened out. Amen? And I settled finally in a solid, good, Bible-believing church, which eventually God led me into a good, solid, Bible-believing college. And I'm proud to be pastoring a group of good, godly, believing, Bible-believing church members. But here's the thing. We often lose sight of that passion, that love that we had in the beginning. Where's your passion, church? Where's your zeal for the things of God? Where's that hunger and that thirst gone? Where's the excitement and the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm for gathering together with these believers? Paul is writing to these believers at Thessalonica, and as he's closing out this section, you remember he is giving some exhortation to cover some different things. We've talked about how they're to respond in relation to to the pastor and to their relationship with one another. And then these closing section, he's focusing our attention on how we should be responding to the ultimate shepherd. And so, as he he writes this, obviously there is concern from Paul, and he wants to remind them not to quench, or in other words, stop quenching the Spirit. Some of us, we remember our passion for going to church. You remember how you couldn't get enough of God's Word. How you wanted to go to every church fellowship because you couldn't get enough of God's people. What happened to the fire that used to burn in your heart? You know, Paul gives this instruction to stop quenching the Spirit. And the same instruction is relevant for the church today. By the way, I need to stop here because I don't want anyone to get confused. There's great confusion out there today as to who the Holy Spirit is. Notice I said a who. Holy Spirit's not a force. It's not some electrical charge or current. A lot of times people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. 
And that's why when you look at this text and you'll see that he says, do not quench the spirit. And we'll, we'll talk in a little while about grieving the spirit. Make no mistake. It's not a force. He's a person. Consider these passages. You can write them down. We're not going to look them up. But these are the things according to Scripture that can be done in regards to the Holy Spirit. He can be blasphemed. Matthew 12, 31. Mark 3, 29. He teaches. Luke 12, 12. John 14, 26. He bears witness. John 15, 26. He convicts. He guides. John 16, 7 through 15. He is called who? In Ephesians 1.14. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. The Holy Spirit is a person. The New Testament speaks of certain sins which a believer can commit against the Holy Spirit. They're sins that often breed apathy toward the things of God. The first sin is grieving. Grieving the Holy Spirit. You can't, you cannot, look, you can't grieve a force, but you can grieve a person. Like a wayward or rebellious child grieves the heart of his or her parents when they act inappropriately, so too can the believer bring grief to the Holy Spirit when we act inappropriately. Turn with me real quick over to Ephesians 4. Look over in Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and look in, in verse... Let, let's, let's begin our reading in 11. I want to give you some context here. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and, and, te- and, um, and, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth. Every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the fulfilling of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you've heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, For the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we act inappropriately. When we act in a way that's Uh, unbecoming of a Christian. We act inappropriately when we have an unchristian attitude. We can act inappropriately when we neglect Christian duties. Paul warns us. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And those of you who've had children before that have broken your heart, they've done something against your will, against your wishes, you know the pain of how that feels. How does your Heavenly Father feel when you neglect Him? When you disobey Him? When you grieve the Spirit of God? The other sin is quenching the Holy Spirit. Now the word quench, as you see in our text, the First uh, Thessalonians passage, it, it, it's referencing, it's used of a fire. It means to extinguish, to smother, to stifle, to put out. Now Paul does not mean that we can diminish the Spirit of God because we've just read the passage, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. When you... Grieve the Holy Spirit when you quench the Holy Spirit. You don't lose the Spirit of God. But you begin to extinguish the flame of desire and passion for the things of God. And that's what happens, church, when we grow apathetic, when we become lukewarm, when we become complacent. When God no longer has priority in our life, He's no longer on the throne of our life where He should be. The fire, the flame begins to kind of dwindle and and it's as if you're pouring water on it. We quench the Holy Spirit when we disregard His presence. Do you like to be ignored? You know, I used to use this illustration. Um, can you imagine when my wife and I got married and, and we went forward and, and, and I said I do and, and I did? And can you imagine if I said, hey, love you, honey. See you next Sunday. 
And I didn't spend any time with her that week. Well, there's a good relationship, isn't it? That's bound to happen right there. That's going to grow. <laughs> but isn't that the way a lot of folks handle their relationship with Christ? Oh, Sunday morning, I'm here, I'm faithful. I love you, God. And never spend any time with Him during the week. It's not a very good relationship. Oh yeah, you may be married. You may have said, I do, to Jesus. But that's not the relationship He desires. And my guess is, it's probably not the relationship you want. A relationship is meant to be close and to be intimate. It's to be growing. One of the quickest ways to extinguish a friendship is to take that person for granted. The same is true with the Holy Spirit in your life. And we often take for granted the Holy Spirit. We quench the Spirit when we deny Him full possession of our life. Look back over there real quick in Ephesians, but I want to to focus on Ephesians 5. And you'll find this in the text. Um, Again, I want to give you context. The verse I want to focus on is 18, but let's look at 14. Pick up from there. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore he says, Awake! Awake, you who sleep! Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Are you controlled by the Spirit? You know, we, when we're not giving God full access, when He's not truly Lord of our life, we end up grieving the Holy Spirit. Because He desires so much more for you. His plans for you are for you to prosper. Not in a worldly sense, in a spiritual sense. And yet, we find ourselves grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we disobey Him. Think about it. The Holy Spirit's always prompting us to do the right thing. And many times we turn away, though we feel His presence, we sense His presence, we know He wants us to do this, and I disobey. That's quenching the Spirit of God. 
One pastor said it this way, when we feel the Holy Spirit impressing us to do something, we must give expression to the impression. That's good. Let me say that again. When we feel the Holy Spirit impressing us to do something, we must give expression to the impression. You know, another sin is resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, this one's debatable. Some will say a a believer cannot resist the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get into that theological discussion this morning because I do think there's some applicable on both sides, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer. But as an unbeliever, you definitely can resist the Holy Spirit. Acts 7, 5 says this. And you remember the context. Stephen's being stoned. He's getting ready to be stoned to death. And he's been preaching and, and, and talking to the people of Israel. And they're getting ready to kill him. And Stephen says this in Acts 7, 51. This is, um, uh, the NIV translates it this way. You stiff-necked people. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what translation you have there. It doesn't really matter because my guess is it still says the same thing. You are resisting the Holy Spirit. Stop being hard-hearted. Stop resisting. And of course, you keep reading, and you're going to find real quick, they gnashed upon him with their teeth. They just, they let him have it. He told them the truth. And he told them the truth in love. These are people that should have got his message. These were supposedly the people of God. Church, you can take up stones to stone me, but I'm going to say it as straight as I know to to say it. God gives us commands in Scripture. And when we don't obey those commands, we quench the Spirit of God. We grieve the Spirit of God. We resist what God is trying to do in our life and in our midst. Look, when I first came here, Sunday night, Wednesday night, sometimes it ran close to Sunday mornings. Now I knew, look, I, I, I knew. I've been around the block enough to know. Everybody's curious about the new pastor in town. They want to go check it out. You know, a missionary speaking at uh, Jim uh, Symbolist Church once said this. He says, you know who loves the church by who's there on Sunday morning. You know who loves the pastor by who's there on Sunday night. And you know who loves the Lord by who's at prayer meeting. Now, some of you may not like that saying. And by the way, let me preface this. Let me back up and preface this for some of y'all get all huffy and puffy. Go home telling your spouse, venting on them about this message. Some of you cannot be here. I got you. This doesn't apply to you. If the shoe don't fit, don't try and force it. Alright? Don't hurt your toe. I ain't stepping on yours. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. Now that's as clear as I know how to make that. But my question is... Can you? 
Because Hebrews 10.25, every time I read it, it still reads the same. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, even more so as you see the day approaching. And last time I checked, we're a lot closer to the Lord's return than when that was written. But you're not excited about the Bible studies. Oh, and listen, by the way, I'm not deaf. Your preacher hears. I hear the lousy excuses that are offered. We're tired of videos and CDs. We want to hear you preach. You're here for the wrong reason. We come to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I will say this as clear as I can. Whether that's served up to you through a CD or a DVD or through me preaching... Praise God, the Word of God is being put forth and it's equipping the saints to be better, stronger, more mature, more complete Christians. Because if you're not getting what you like, that's buffet Christianity. That's what you're looking for. We have a diversity here and I praise God for the diversity. You know what, you got to get an inside, because unless you've been back here, you really don't know. You really don't. Fifteen years of ministry, I've heard people say this. I wish we didn't have preaching. I've heard people say that. I wish we did like we did on Wednesday nights, where we have sit around the table, and we open the Bible, and we have discussion. Because that's the way the early church was. They didn't have preaching like we have today. Do your study in church history and find out where the whole pulpit and the whole preaching thing, and where people were passive. Yeah, there's examples of it in Scripture. Sure there are. And that's why we do it. But there's also great biblical support of how we do on Wednesday nights when we sit around and we open our Bibles and we have a cup of coffee and we have discussion. But I've had people say, I wish we'd do away with Sunday morning preaching and it would be interactive. Then I've got other people that come to me and say, you know what, I wish we didn't do these uh, other things. I wish we had preaching every time. I've got some that say, man, I wish we had hymns. Not do, do away with that rock and roll Christianity. I, and I have some people that say, man, I wish we had more uh, contemporary Christian music. That's what this church needs. How do you work out that dilemma? i tell you how. You're not in it to please man. You do what the Spirit of God is leading you to do, and you do it with the best of your ability. I like Lynn saying, some will, some won't, so what, move on. That's good. That'll preach. I believe we quench the Spirit, we grieve the Spirit when, when each one seeks after his own. We need to esteem others greater than self. Somebody wants hymns? Praise the Lord, let's give them some hymns. Somebody wants some rock and roll Christianity? Oh no, I just ruined my old ministry here. You know what? Praise the Lord. If Christ is being lifted up, if He's being exalted, because I can tell you this, I've heard all styles of genre. Some of you like glorified country. Now, you don't, you don't call it that, but that's what it is. Southern Gospels, glorified country. Turn it, on the, turn it on the country station. Old school country, not new school country. Old school country. Listen to it. Close your eyes. You'll think you stumbled on the go mix for a minute. I'm just being honest. Some of you who love hymns, and that's why you're so high and mighty, 
because you love those hymns. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm being very facetious and I'm doing what's called hyperboles. That's exaggerating to extremes. But look, point being this. Some of those hymns, and I love hymns. I'm a hymn, I'm a hymn fan. I'm a big hymn fan. But guess what? When those were written and recorded, they were contemporary. They sounded just like the music of the world in which the day they were recorded and penned. They sound just like if it was if you had a radio station back in the day of Fanny Crosby, you would have heard the same style music on the radio of the day because it was the best being offered of the day. There was a fuss and a fight and a division within the church when they first brought in a piano. There was a fight and a division within the church when they first brought in an organ. And guess what? They're still fighting today when they bring in a guitar or a drum set. Nothing has changed. But if I look at that Ephesians 5.18 passage, it says, Give thanks always. And notice, back it up. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Do you think God desires worship in a variety of a format? I think so. He spelled it out. But we get in this mold that God only accepts glorified country music. God only accepts contemporary worship music. God only accepts praise and worship. God only accepts hymns. God is a God of diversity. Look around at the beauty of of creation. I'm glad all the birds aren't red. I love the red bird. But I'd get sick of the red bird if it was probably just red. All the birds were red. I would be wanting a blue bird. I digress. So, when the believer resists the Holy Spirit, We no longer have a sense of spiritual peace. Peace is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you're resisting Him, there can be no peace. A believer who continues in sin and resists the Holy Spirit, they will become deaf to other promptings of the Holy Spirit because they're not tuned in. They're not tuned in to Him. They're tuned out. Because of sin, one loses joy, the joy of their salvation. You know why you're complacent? You know why you're apathetic? There's no joy in your spiritual walk. It's not because there's not enough preaching. It's not because your style of music's not being portrayed up here. It's because you have lost the joy of your salvation. And that's not on me. That's not on Community Baptist Church. Church, it is on us as individuals. We make up the body. And if you're not satisfied where you are in your spiritual walk... Do something about it. Call out to the Lord. Ask Him to return that desire, to give you back that love. And then instead of being opposition, become someone who lends a helping shoulder and let's move forward in this thing together. So, we lose our salvation which leads to a depression of our spiritual life. I don't want to show hands, but I can tell. You you can tell when somebody's depressed. You can tell it. 
I can tell some of you are spiritually depressed. I mean, it's all over your face. You know. <laughs> so, some of you just had a good dose of prune juice this morning or something. Uh, lemon juice, probably, because if it's prune juice, some of you would be happy. But anyway, that was my old joke for the morning. It's good. I, I like prune juice, too, and I need it. Too much info. I'm moving on. What about the effort to have enthusiasm? The effort to have enthusiasm. Enthusiasm for the things of God does not come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to us. The world, the flesh, the devil fight us every step of the way. Bottom line, many believers have lacked a real spiritual enthusiasm because they're not willing to pay the price. That's why many of us lack the enthusiasm, the joy, the excitement over the things of God because you do not have the... the you're not willing to sacrifice. You're, you're not willing to pay the price. The price is your pride. The price is your self-will. It's, it's the fear the fear of the unexpected. We've never done that before. It's these things that keep you and me from really experiencing the excitement of, of being born again and knowing that we've got a home in eternity and we've been set free from the bondage of sin and we can worship and rejoice and grow in the grace and knowledge and become the people that God designed us to be. That's exciting. Until you're willing to give up some of those things mentioned, the pride, the self-will, the uh, etc., etc. Until you're willing to give these things up, you will never experience the kind of enthusiasm which the early Christians had when the presence of the Holy Spirit fell upon them at Pentecost. I mean, people thought they were drunk. They were excited. We should be excited about the things of God. When the fire of the Holy Spirit is fueled by our willingness, there is uncontainable enthusiasm for the gospel, for our life in Christ, for fellow believers, for the lost people, for the things of God. Enthusiasm is the key to great living. Someone once said of, uh, of Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, after hearing him preach, Moody speaks as if he had a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. The response by another man in the crowd was, Moody has no monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Moody. Some of us need the Holy Spirit to have monopoly in our life. We're the ones still rolling the dice. God asks us to trust Him implicitly. If we've trusted God with our eternal soul, then why are we so afraid to trust Him with our life today? That makes no sense to me. Oh, I trusted Jesus. I'm saved. Well, have, what about this area? In you? Well, no, 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 I've got to handle that one. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do anything. He will not give you the ability to perform. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do anything that is spiritually unhealthy. Knowing this, 
It ought to lead us to complete trust in the Holy Spirit. Well, let me close with this. The effect of enthusiasm. The effect of enthusiasm. Our joy will be increased. Our prayers will be unhindered. Our fellowship with God will become more precious. The peace that passes all understanding will be ours. We will be excited about the things of God and the people of God. Believer, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. Stop quenching the Holy Spirit. Unbeliever, stop resisting the Holy Spirit. In our study, The Man Who Makes a Difference, Jim George touches on a few of these things. Let me read this to you. Friend, apathy is a heart condition. It turns your heart for God into a heart that thinks it can exist without God. How do you keep from drifting into spiritual apathy? How can you keep apathy from settling into your life? Check your spiritual temperature on a regular basis by asking these questions. Am I making excuses for missing church? Just ask yourself that question. Look, I know some of you are going to go out of here and you're, you're, you're already hardened to everything. From the get-go, you just put the wall of defense up. Can I plead with you? I didn't say this to hurt your feelings or make you mad. I'm saying this because spiritually it's what's best. It's what's needed. It can help you if you'll just hear it and heed it. Am I making excuses for missing church? Am I becoming comfortable with the little sins? Ask yourself that question. Am I able to take or leave God's Word? Am I spending more of my discretionary hours with non-Christians rather than Christians? Am I looking to myself or the world rather than to God for help with life issues? Am I resisting the warnings of fellow believers? If your answer to any or most of these questions is yes, then my brother or sister... You are well on your way to apathy. But realize that with God's help, you can overcome the problem. Speaking as a former pharmacist, here is my spiritual prescription for dealing with apathy. He's got a little RX here for your prescription. Recognize that apathy can happen to you. Realize that God's Word is essential. Reach out to those with hot hearts for the Lord. Hot hearts for the Lord. Regularly attend church. Request that others hold you accountable for your commitments to God. Sometimes it's hard to take our medicine. But the doctor gives it because he knows it'll help. And I know for some of us, this is castor oil this morning. I could see by the puckering lips. It's hard to swallow. But you know what? 
I've had my round of medicine. And it tasted the same. But I know it's for my good. And church, please know, your pastor loves you. And this medicine is for our good. We need to stop forsaking. We've got too many coals out here on their own. And they're self-deceived into thinking they're doing. And you may be doing things for the Lord. But I can assure you, that does not make up for what God has commanded in His Word. We need to burn together. And we need to fan the flames of one another. So that the fire will continue to grow and rage and burn fervently. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, forgive us. Sometimes we think we know better than you. And Lord, have mercy. Forgive us in those times. Lord, I pray that help us to remain teachable. No matter how long we walk with you, no matter how far we may go in this journey, Lord, help us to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Lord, help us to esteem others greater than self. Lord, help us to recognize that there is a doctrine of separation, but sometimes that doctrine is focused upon at the neglect of the doctrine of unity. Lord, help us to not throw stones at one another, but to encourage and build up and edify. And Lord, I pray that this morning those that are struggling with apathy, those that are struggling spiritually, they've grown cold, that you would breathe life into them, Lord, in a way that ignites the passion again. Lord, help us to just confess. We've grown cold. And Lord, ignite within us again, please. We ask and beg that you would ignite within us again a desire, a passion of enthusiasm for the things of God, for the Word of God, for the people of God, for the church of God. And so, Lord, we just ask this morning that you have your will and you have your way in us. And we thank you, Lord. And I want to ask this morning, maybe you've been resisting the Holy Spirit of God. Nobody looking around, if you would, just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. I wonder if 